I was really plugged in, but I needed to plug it in because just because you have this ability does not mean that you are spiritually sober or clear. So you can be really, you can be coming from a really dirty filter. I believe that having the, the capacity to tune in does not make me spiritual. It is a separate conversation. It can be used as a method of tuning in and helping somebody if I am clear. Finally here, welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host. You should know my name because it's it's my name. And if this is your first time here and you don't know my name, you're about to know it. You're about to know my name. <laughs> There's another name that you're also about to know. And if you don't know it, I don't know where you've been hiding uh there's lots that i'm excited to share about this fabulous human uh manifested her delightfully at a trip to punta mita i think it was in mexico uh, we're both at a conference i was like i really want to speak to this human like came out of the place and there she was and she's just amazing fabulous can't wait to share colette why don't you let the people know a little bit more about who you are and what you do and then we'll get into it Gosh, that that is that is such a big conversation. So what I'm most known for are mm -hmm. oracle cards globally. So um, I've sold Not over just any oracle cards. No, Don't play it down, darling. No, no, Don't no. They are down. they are divination systems that I've created for my publisher Hay House. I've sold over a million. So I would say that I am a platinum selling divination expert yeah. in oracle Don't cards. <laughs> I also have five books. My focus is um, personal transformation. Um, I also have a course called The Spirit of Your Business. So I talk about um, bringing the concept of this, this spiritual concept to business. So it's really metaphysics for business and metaphysics of marketing, metaphysics of business. Um, and uh, I used to be an artist on uh, the EMI, now Universal Music label, and I also paint, but I, I don't know. That's that's what I do. Oh, and I own a school. Oh my gosh. Right, duh. I own a school. I'm the founder of Oracle School, which is a global online learning platform that's, uh, we have students from 53 countries. We have Oracle Palooza, which is a big virtual gathering um, uh, when thousands of people come together once a year to do personal transformation. And my husband's going like this. I can see him with this. It's like, hurry up. More, <laughs> more. Get really excited about what I do. Yes. Okay. You know, it's weird talking about yourself. But yeah. So, um, and I started in a really strange way. Really, really strange way. It wasn't my first career choice at all. Music was my first career choice, but I was mm -hmm. born a little strange, and now um, I'm happy that I am strange. <laughs> I'm going to say you were born a lot magical versus born yes. a little strange. I, I, and now you get to you. share that magic with the world through these various mediums, and we're excited yes. that you... Well, I'm Canadian, and Canadians have a tendency to be a little self-deprecating, right? Okay. <laughs> That's part of our we'll humor. We'll forgive you for that, love. We'll forgive you for that. We'll forgive you for that. Yeah. See, I wanted to... Um... Whoops. <laughs> you wanted to break your... In the microphone. You have a good editor. Yeah. No, I'm going to leave it in. Yeah, good just leave it. <laughs> That's it kind of stay. fun. It, everything has to stay. We All keep right. it original. Unless something really awkward gets said. Okay. That did happen once. Someone did said it? something really awkward, and I was like, "Nothing is yeah, awkward to me. <laughs> nothing we're is edit that out. No, out. it was really bad." Okay, well, nothing yeah. is off the table here. Okay, we'll keep it all on the table. So, I really want to dive a bit more into the backstory, sure. Because whenever people do particularly magical breeds of magic, sure, I'm always wondering, were you born knowing that you had magical magicness? <laughs> did you? Did you wake up one day with an owl bringing you a little letter say that you're due to attend right, Hogwarts? Like, right. How did the magical magicness start? I think the owl. Voice, you're off doing the musical thing. Right. The, and then did the owl come or was it like. The bring, owl. Bring me into that piece of the story. Pooped on my mother's head when she was pregnant. I think that's what happened. <laughs> did an owl actually poop on your mother's no, head when she was pregnant? But with we're you? just. Oh, no. oh my God. <laughs> Not at all. Like, really? Well, we're talking was about the Harry all? Potter <laughs> owl, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I was born. Uh, 
I, I was born, I, it was an interesting thing. So I'll just really quickly, when I look back in my life, I can actually pinpoint when I knew for sure, um, in hindsight only, obviously, because at the time I didn't know, but I knew something was wrong. I, I, from the ages of three to five, I had a recurring nightmare. And the nightmare was um, all these people, skinny, naked people, or estranged people. And I didn't really know what naked bodies 100% look like because I certainly never saw my dad. So I didn't know what a man looked like. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I could tell that there was something, you know, there was very skeletal looking people and a man crying, sitting at a table with a pile of teeth. And I knew they were teeth because I had lost some of my teeth at that point. You know, I, I you know the, the tooth fairy, I'd know what they looked like. Mm-hmm. They were teeth. And then there was a pile of gold and this man would be crying. And then there would be like a really bad smell and I would see dirty snow, um, which was depicted, by the way, in a movie, which I'll tell you about in a second. Anyway, so I would cry and this exact dream happened every time. I thought people were being shoved into an easy bake oven because I had one, right? My sister, my older sister had one, so I knew what they looked like too. And I thought everybody was being pushed in an oven. Um, so I would tell my mom this dream. Now, any other dream that I had that was bad dream, my mom would let me come and sleep in bed with her um, and cuddle. And she wouldn't with this dream. And I remember it being like, I felt like there was something bad when I dreamt this, that I was bad. Because that's mm-hmm. what we do. We translate rejection into something. So anyway, let's fast forward. Um, I was raised uh, um, Anglican. And my parents were European immigrants coming to Canada very, very heavy European accents. My dad was Serbian and um, my great grandmother was Mongolian. And my mother was uh, German, but she had Polish background. And, um, and my grandfather was French on her side. So it turned out um, we weren't, when my father lost all the family's money when I was 25 or so, um, I had got was wearing a cross my mother had bought me, beautiful, beautiful filigree cross uh, she bought me in Berlin that was from Russia. Anyway, she said you it, she had too much to drink. It was like a big tragedy that was going on in my household. And she told me to take it off. To take that off. And I went, why? She goes, because you're a Jew. <laughs> I was like, because I'm a what? Right. So so she then told me, remember that dream you had? Well, you're, you know, because they never spoke about World War II at all all. And it all came spilling out that uh, my mom's dad, uh, who was was part of the French resistance movement, was Jewish. um, And that when her mother had been killed by a bomb, she was taken in, she was raised by her grandparents, but then she was taken in by uh, people that worked for her grandparents. Um, One of the, because he was an architect and it was, he was a uh, draftsman. Anyway, so they were Lutherans and they were hiding my mom, right? So when the SS came, so they, there was, so anyway, my, the parent and my grandfather came to the door to bring my mother back to France. They found out where she was. While he was standing at the door, they were looking behind him. The SS were coming. They told him my mother was dead. She was in a closet hearing this, listening to this. They told her to go hide. And he was picked up by the SS at the door. And then he was killed in Dachau. So she figured out after after the war, because he had to go somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. So we never knew anything. Even my dad didn't know. My dad didn't know mm. any of that. So there's a lot of my mother's history that I don't know. She was born out of wedlock, so his name was not on the birth certificate because I went to a genealogist at like, you know, many years later to actually go find mm-hmm. it before 23andMe existed, et cetera. Um, so that was a really, when I think back, I had all the signs that I was capable of knowing things about people that I had no prior knowledge over. So I had a mm-hmm. sense of things and that happened all the time. Like I would know what was going on with, you know, somebody would call the house and I would just blurt something out when I was a kid and my mother would be staring at me or like when she was out having bridge and I would blab somebody's secret out or, you know, that mm-hmm. would it just happen. And I had, no, seriously. And then we had a Scottish <laughs> nanny named Mrs. Kelly and she looked after us when we were little and she, I'll never forget this too, because I kept telling her about the fairies I was look, seeing in the garden. Cause I, I could see things and I always saw glowing things. And so I thought they were fairies. Um, anyway, so then I would tell her what I was seeing. And then she told my mom that day, um, 
that in very hot, heavy Scottish accent, which I know we're not supposed to do these we're days. Scottish. Yeah, well, I don't think we're not allowed. <laughs> that, that's not oatmeal. Anyway. <laughs> so, okay, I won't, you know, so this very heavy Scottish brogue, and she would burp all the time too because she had something wrong with her esophagus. And she was in her like late 70s, early 80s at that point. She said, My, your daughter has the sight. She has the sight. Mm-hmm. Now, I was behind the swinging door uh, between the dining room and the kitchen. And so I thought, well, everybody in the family wore glasses. And I that thought that meant oh, I'm not going to have to wear glasses. And, and she's and my mother was upset. Don't talk about this. Don't tell anybody. Boom, 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 boom. I don't want to hear about yeah. this. Yada, yada, yada. So I thought, why is she upset that I am not going to wear glasses? Like, right? So that's kind of what I interpreted. Anyway, fast forward in my early teens, um, my dad taught me because my father was like this and I didn't know why my mother didn't want anything me to be like this because I also found this out after both my parents died so my dad my dad taught me how to read Turkish coffee cups and he taught me about spirit animals this was part of Slavic folklore is actually quite similar to North American indigenous folklore very similar Mm. Um, I read a really interesting article about the commonalities between the two anyway so he taught me about animism about spirit animals about how um, everything has a presiding spirit and he was a really interesting guy he talked about Atlantis he made sure we knew that there were UFOs I mean my dad was fascinating. He was about um, that life. He was really cool. Um, yeah. And he wasn't woo-woo, which was interesting. He was an engineer. He was a scientist. So he was, he oh, was, wow. yeah. But anyhow, really fast. So um, uh, I found out both my parents died back to back a few, just a short few years after my dad lost everything because they were quite well off and they were, you know, really poor uh, afterwards after they lost everything. And um, so after, at the funeral, at my father's funeral, my his their two best friends that knew them in Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia, right? They were they were mm-hmm. um, counter espionage agents together. Anyway, they were still alive, so they said to me, "You know, you come by this gift by your dad," and uh, we know that because my mom told people I was in marketing. She didn't want anybody to know. <laughs> <laughs> just like when they said what do you do I, and I'm like ah I was about to say well I do readings or you know I'm in music I want to pursue this or yeah. whatever at the time that's how I made my living anyway so she was like she's in marketing like that was like at a, <laughs> yeah, at a funeral this is what she was that's saying. the end of that that's conversation of, yeah. Kathy right she's in marketing in market well she had a German <laughs> accent she didn't sound like that but whatever that's the kind of feeling <laughs> So my so they knew so they told me the story about how my mother forbade my dad to ever go there again. He went into a trance reading somebody's tur- Turkish coffee cup at a cocktail party because they would have like little coffees or whatever, and uh, didn't remember anything he said right shortly thereafter. And he told this person that her husband was having an affair with another person that was at the party. They were both there, which was all true, and outed this whole thing. And he didn't remember saying a thing. (laughs) So my mom was like, you are never doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to be upwardly mobile in Canadian society, which means we're going to anglicize our last names. We are... Because my mm-hmm. real last name is Bogdanovich, but my dad was titled. This was a crazy thing. So, but back when King Peter was alive, I think to be a baron meant you just had extra cows and pigs and you could pee off the side of the mountain. You know what I mean? Like it really doesn't mean the same thing. But in Canada, they loved anything that sounded like royalty. So we got into this shishi fafak, um, very waspy private school. I'm positive because of that. Because, but it was I think it was just BS, right? I'm sure it was just. <laughs> BS. So my last, anyway, it was Baron Bogdanovich, but it was just Bogdanovich. And then my dad changed it to Bogdanovich Baron and he was known as the Baron. But I, I think it was, I, I think they were just like wanting it to be true, but I don't know. Like <laughs> I kind of, it's not just pigs. It's not no, just it's pigs just pigs, and, pigs, and, pigs, it's and, pigs and extra. And yeah. Yeah. And pissing <laughs> off the side. And never mind, they were horse traders. That's how my great, my great grandmother showed up. I'm sure because they probably traded a horse for her because she was 15 years old and Mongolian. Where do you get that? Where did, where does a Mongolian girl come from when they're trading horses? Well, they, they probably added her to the horses. I don't know. Like, I can't imagine it being anything other than that, right? Back in the 1800s. So, so anyhow, yeah, it's interesting. And I'm sure they're that part of the family too. Like everybody on my dad's side of the family has something like this, but they don't make a living at it. I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then it just kept going. It just kept going and growing. Do you feel Mm -hmm. that embracing it 
created more opportunity for you to integrate it into your life? 100%, 1,000%. Now, I can tell you two funny stories about embracing it. One of them was when, so I'm also a recovered alcoholic drug addict. So I've been clean and sober 37 years. So this is part of the story. So thank you. When I was one day at a time, when I was still using in my early twenties, cause I couldn't cope with having this ability at all. I'm positive. It's another reason why I started drinking and drugging when I was in my teens. And, and then I had a big violent thing happen to me when I was 19, where I actually left my body and like seriously hovered in the top, you know, the Oh, to my right, up in the air. And that's where I do my readings now. So even I had like, a, like oh. so I know that that horrible thing that happened to me gave me a gift. I certainly didn't mm-hmm. feel like the time and actually spiraled me into a lot more violence, et cetera. But anyway, so we were at a party. This was where my, and my friend's nickname for me was 411. So go ask Colette, <laughs> she might know, right? So we went into a party and there was there, so somebody a drug dealer had lost his acid his his blotter acid so i found it under a carpet (laughs) and my friends and i took it and ran away (laughs) i said i'd find it i didn't say i'd return it no no i did (laughs) so that was before now after was when my spiritual world really took place which was i say my my rebirth really happened january 2nd 1986 when i bottomed out at that point i was with a record producer who was my kind of svengali producer who was really close with somebody named rick james who's now dead so i can say it rick james <clears throat> mm-hmm, the super freak tour yeah. the whole thing so i learned how mm-hmm. to freebase cocaine which was apparently not addictive <laughs> so i took the express train to hell and mm-hmm. managed really quickly to finally bottom out and I believe everything that happened to me up until that point was a way for me to understand human nature, to see the darker side of human nature, to really understand the underbelly and the shadow of the of of personhood and for me to come out the other side of it and develop a conscious contact to a higher power finally mm-hmm. so how i ended up doing this professionally uh, doing readings professionally was while i was pursuing a career in music because i got clean and sober figuring okay i made a living painting on people's clothes and kind of they kind of look like mad max beyond thunderdome it was the early 80s so it looked really cool um and i'd shred up denim and things like that so i made things i was an artist right and i and um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, but I was very interested in the healing arts because of course I was clean and sober. I, I really found God in a way. I went to Unity Church. I went to the Tibetan monks to learn meditation. I mean, I went everywhere. I was a spiritual tourist, but I actually, you know, made some places my home. Um, and I knew that there was more. And I just knew that taking away all the substances, I was... I was really plugged in, but I needed to plug it in because just because you have this ability does not mean that you are spiritually sober or clear. So Mm. you can be really, you can be coming from a really dirty filter. I believe that having the, the capacity to tune in does not make me spiritual. It is a separate conversation. It can be used as a method of tuning in and helping somebody if I am clear. So my Mm -hmm. role was to become spiritually clear. Um, But I wasn't planning on doing this. So that was the other thing I was like, um, excuse me, I'm really a singer, don't come back next year, I will be having a record deal by then. So like, don't come back Mm -hmm. next year. But Mm -hmm. um, I, I certified as an aromatherapist. And uh, um, after a few time few people I put my hands on somebody's back and I was by the way for the first two years of my sobriety it was like I I put garlic up over my do not could cross this boundary I don't want to see spirits I don't want anything that come in and no I don't want to see anything I don't want to hear anybody mm-hmm. that's dead do not come near me like it was like mm-hmm. I am closed for repairs so after a couple of years and so I, I touched this person and all of a sudden I knew the name of her stepfather who wanted to apologize and that he had molested her when she was eight years old and this is why she had so much chronic back pain so don't any healers listening to this please do not do this ever 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 this is a complete boundary violation but anyway i blurted that out to this lady and does that make any sense to you and she jumped off the table and uh screamed and like how do you know that i'm like actually i'm not really sure (laughs) (laughs) but then people she told her friends who told their friends and then nobody wanted to book a massage they booked they wanted to talk to me 
Mm-hmm. That's how my career as an intuitive began. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I learned the tarot. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, so I just want to make a <laughs> well. thing. So all the haters tuning in. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do Always that. Ask Even permission. though it sounds like this might be the activation point. No. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. Never do that. Always ask permission wow. and don't ever blurt anything out like that. No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you literally stumbled into offering this gift because you stumbled into seeing something that was going on with someone when you were yeah. doing something else. I, I wanted something else. Like I am a talented singer-songwriter, and I know I am now, but I... I, I, I know you are. Thank you. I love your stuff. <laughs> thank you. Um, but it was it was my path, my destiny was to do this. Like, I didn't give out... First of all, you have to remember, when I started this, there was no internet. There wasn't even mm. any cell phones. People had to give my phone number out on scraps of paper. And by the time I was doing this for six years, this is like in... 1986, like 1993, because when did the internet come? When did the internet come, Mark? You're here. 90s. Who knows? 90 somewhere before the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had clients in 29 countries at that point. People calling me from all these places. One guy one time called, I'm hearing crackle, crackle, crackle and all this noise. And he said he was calling from Delhi. And I couldn't really understand what he was saying because there's a lot of static on the line. And I thought he was calling mm-hmm. from the Delhi up the road. He was calling from Delhi, India. I kind of got the gist when he told me, somebody told me about, I said, how did you hear about me? Oh, somebody gave me your number in New Zealand in an airport. So that's how my career happened. And I kept saying, oh no, no, this isn't it. And and I wish, and I will tell you this, anybody who is listening, do not do what I did. I mean, I, I, under, I, I, I created a lot of suffering for myself, refusing the call. But I'm really, the, I am the hero's journey that got stuck in the refusal of the call. <laughs> I didn't really get to go on very far after that. I kept going, no, you know, and then until... I, until something really happened. So I kept, I kept having lots of clients to do readings. And then, and, but then I studied Jungian psychology. I had a big chip on my shoulder that I didn't have, edu- didn't finish my education. I was in law school. I went to law school. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, because my parents made me, I, you know, so I started really diving into all the different modalities that I could, that I could learn. I learned voice dialogue. I, 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 but I really loved Carl Jung. Jung was my thing, my jam. Anyway, so um, having that background and understanding symbolism, active imagination and the unconscious and, you know, where do these things come from? Um, you know, I continued to really get a better, deeper understanding of, of human nature. And so I was better able to help my clients. Also, early on in my recovery, I forgot to tell you this, um, I learned how divination systems, which is what I do, you know, I create mm-hmm. these systems. I know people can't see me because there's not a video here, but the dream we- the Dreamweaver's Oracle um, was the one, recent one that's, that uh, I've just released, which is just phenomenal, but um, was because I had a therapist, a Jungian therapist early on in my recovery because I went to therapy and um, and she used the tarot she used the, she used the Handel tarot as part of my therapy and I had only known about it since I was 17 as a method of magical inquiry into the future I thought it was mm-hmm. like fortune telling right so mm-hmm. but I learned really quickly early on oh really this could be a reflective this is a witnessing tool this is a way for us to learn more about ourselves this isn't really about the future at all this is how we create the future in the now here and now just like the song that you love so much which is true it's you know so um so divination became my obsession it's psychology became my other obsession and i continued to pursue music <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and I failed miserably every time I got to a door it slammed on my face like I almost got a record deal then I almost got this and I almost got that and I finally gave up and mm-hmm. um, did a meditation CD uh, called Journey Through the Chakras which actually became a number one hit in Canada the week that it got released it was crazy and then Virgin Records uh, the guy from Virgin Records bought it and loved it and then weirdly the the guy that was my friend or a client became the head of business affairs at EMI Music in Toronto and brought this to the president. And the next thing you know, I was there, but I was 40. Like at this point, 
to me, this was my, and but they thought I was like in my 20s because I look super young. As you can tell, I'm 64 and I do not look my age. Okay, we know this. <laughs> these are these cheeks, these Serbian, Mongolian, Polish cheeks, right? So, um, and plus I'm also very immature and my husband is young. So that helps also. <laughs> I've got a hot. A magical mix. I got a magical, hot, young husband. Anyway, so <laughs> seriously, you should see him. Well, you'll meet him. Um, so, yes. um, so anyhow, uh, what was really cool was I, I ended up getting this record deal um, with EMI years after I let it go completely, but I was already, already very comfortable and I had really surrendered knowing that this spiritual path was opening to me because, mm. and the people would just come. I didn't even have to try any, I never advertised nothing to, for they, mm -hmm. people just came through word of mouth. I, even my workshops filled out just word of mouth. It was never, oh, I'm mm -hmm. gonna do a workshop, tell your friends. And it would mm -hmm. fill up. So I never had to try. Um, when my husband and I got together, um, uh, it was just after the first album had come up, Magdalene's Garden, um, and, uh, they found out how old I was. And I think it was because I let it slide just kind of in a joke, like, man, you, we better hurry up because I'm not getting any younger. And I think one of the guys said to me, well, how old are you? And I said, I'm 40. And they went, what? So then they thought I was 27, 28. And then what happened was the press just went to town on the fact that I could be Britney Spears's mother. <laughs> That was what quote in one of them. Like, she could be Britney Spears' mother. I'm like, yeah. oh, and then EMI takes a risk on a mature artist, right? <laughs> yeah. So there, that was my death sentence. Um, but the second album, which is what you heard, was when I met my husband. And by the way, the first song on that album, I wrote to tell him I was in love with him. No pressure there. I mean, we were only together three months. And by the way, I'm writing a song for you and it's going on my album. And like, <laughs> at least we did get married after all. But that was, a, I mean, looking back, I thought that was a little cheeky on my part. That's a bit ballsy, actually. <laughs> that was ballsy, right? Like, Here. But you are, but you are a magical yeah. seer of all things. So you probably were like, just letting you know. It's about to go down. Oh, no. I knew the minute I heard his voice, I had to wait for him to figure it out. But, you know, having, having had that experience, I then Hay House came calling and mm. my publisher, and I've been with them since 2005. And when they came calling, it was... I was at a crossroads and I knew, listen, the music business wasn't for me. I, I, it just wasn't for me. I would, it would have eaten me up alive. But this came and I remember the president saying, you know, you can't really serve two masters at that time, mm. making like one dream. And I just surrendered. And I'm so grateful. I just kept, cause I, I was the whole time on my knees saying, show me, show me what you want from me. Use me. P.S. I want a record deal. P.S. Like, oh, you mean you're going there? No, 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 no. You didn't exactly get what I was asking, right? <laughs> so, dear God, here are my caveats. Dear God, yes. Let me use me as thou wilt. Thy will, not mine, be done. P.S. This is part over here. Yeah, dot, dot, So, um, but personal transformation is at the core of everything I do because I transform, because I am mm -hmm. living, walking proof that it is possible mm -hmm. coming from uh, a time in my life. If I look back on who I was 37 years ago, I had no self-worth. I mean, I, I really saw myself as a victim. I mean, I was victimized a number of occasions, but now today I realize that's a choice. I mean, I was victimized, but I'm not a victim. Right. Yeah. So there's a two the, different the stories. Doesn't match yeah. the doesn't mm -hmm. have to line up with the experience. Yeah. I had a speech impediment. Mm -hmm. I had low terrible self worth. And um and I never in a million years would have believed that this could be possible. So uh, but I did the work. And I dove into the shadow, which is really, really important. Um, I was I was afraid, yes, and it, and it took a long time to peel off all the onion skins because I'm still peeling them, right? But mm. I know that if we define ourselves by our woundology, which is a quote from actually Carolyn Mace, um, and many people do, including in business, you know, like we don't even realize how unconscious we are when we choose to start a business or we get into business. We don't even realize, and I'm speaking mostly to entrepreneurs or solopreneurs, because that's a, mm -hmm. that is not an in, inanimate vehicle that you're creating out into the world. That is something that's alive and you need to nurture it. Mm -hmm. You need to understand your why. And also you're going to be 
brought to your knees with some of the stuff that you haven't been willing to look at because mm. it is an extension of you. You cannot separate yourself from from what you do. I don't care what anybody says. It's for entrepreneurs and solopreneurs specifically. Mm. You know, so in when people work in other environments, you're dealing with a kind of a, um, a satellite group of dysfunctional family issues that will come up, you know, but... You know, so I started realizing early, early on that when people would come to me and obviously I made, I based my reputation and it's so true that for the first 20, 25 years, I had a really high level of predictive accuracy. But at a point where I said to myself, well, what if that person could evolve and change and transform? Then that would not be true. That's only from today's point of vantage. So what would they have to do to get there? So I com- I switched from the predictive to the prescriptive and really mm-hmm. recognized what I was seeing were the seeds in the now and saying, like, do you want to plant different seeds than this? Because you will have a choice, but you would have to do this to get there. So that's that is where I evolved all my work from was my exposure to the people that had come to me for readings and then for later on. Um, working as a business strategist, intuitive business strategy for a lot of the high-level people I have, all NDAs with, so I can't say their names, but everybody knows who they are. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's the same thing. You know, Mm. it, it just translates into us being here for a purpose, spirit using us always like we are emissaries of of a divine force i believe that language is everything call it a conscious universe it doesn't matter what you call it we're our small identity is not who runs the show and we have to get it out of the way so there's a partnership which is what i teach people about how do you become partners with this invisible and ineffable um omniscient um energy that really it wants to help us because we're all here with a cosmic blueprint to to explore and i did want to dive into yeah. that because obviously we've got the the transition from pure artist to releasing and going off on another direction, then being brought back to the music. And then of course, other things evolving from there. Was there a conscious choice for you to serve entrepreneurs and business owners? Um, or was it that it no, kind of they evolved? started showing up? Everything is about yeah. evolution. So frankly, mm. everything is an evolution for me. I just started mm. meeting them and saying like, do you, would you coach me? And I'm like, like I would do a reading for somebody and I'd say, well, here's the things that need to happen if you want to get from A to B. Or I'd be telling them mm-hmm. things that only they knew about, nobody else knew. And then they, well, would you work mm-hmm. with me? And I, it just, that's how it began was like, would you work with me on an ongoing okay. basis? Okay. It wasn't ever a conscious decision. But I will say this, I like working with entrepreneurs. I like mm-hmm. it because there is movement, there's consciousness, there's... Uh, there is there's there there's actually less emotionality in terms of um, like the person can transform alongside of their business. It's a fascinating thing for me, um, and so I enjoy it. So so it's something I just really genuinely enjoy. Like right now, for example, um, in my membership, I do something called Spirit Jam twice a month, and uh, at the Oracle Circle membership, and I usually do mediumship or yeah. I mean, I talk to dead people too, but that's just fun. I honestly do it for fun because it's fun, and I just do it, and they love it, and it's true. So I talk to dead. No, people. I know I do. I talk to dead. People are fun. <laughs> well, I had a television show as a medium, but I do so many other things that are more interesting. But this is a gift to give to people. So I do that and I do readings. And then whenever, so so I coach too. It's like 90 minutes of a smorgasbord, basically, of come, come as you are and ask me anything. Um, and mm. it turned out for about four or five months, everybody started asking me only business questions. So that's another reason why I thought, you know, maybe it's time for me to segue into the spirit of your business because people are disconnected from their why, really not understanding the spiritual aspect of it. And I want to teach the metaphysics of business. You know, what are the what are some of the high level um, uh, metaphysical concepts of what it is that you're doing instead of getting caught and mired in how many followers do I have on Instagram, which actually means nothing, right? So, so that's, that's what really jazzes me right now. And people, so I do what people require me to do. So it's always an evolution. Mm-hmm. It's never a conscious decision. If you'd asked me to do it, it two years ago, like I'd go, no. like an organic agent of the divine in the world. Ooh, I'm an organic agent of the divine in the world. Aren't we all? Yeah. But I will be. I'll, I'll own it. 
Yeah, we all are, we all have the capacity for it, but we don't all accept the call. Yes, and we try to. You're correct. We don't accept the call because we don't understand it because we're not taught to understand it. Or we're trying to control it. Yes, and I've done that so many times. It. Like I'm a perfect example. Oh, P.S. Like, uh, hey, <laughs> no, you let just me told be- us about your hero right? story, love. Don't worry, we know. <laughs> <laughs> let me be a channel for let thy peace, be. but the way I want to. <laughs> Yeah, but we try dot, to control dot, dot, it. Dot, dot, P.S. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, too, um, that the uh, the need to control really comes from a deep level of fear and also the comparison mm. concept that, oh, it looks good over there. I'm going to make this thing that I know is going to f- fly over here. And it's mm-hmm. it's really that which we see. It's based on what we see. But if we go for what we don't see and the mm. uncharted territories, that's where the action is. That's where we go ahead. Yeah, but, but I think, again, something you just said a few moments ago kind of dives into that, that we, we haven't been taught to. Yeah. And if we look instead of what we have been taught, we have been taught that there is the capacity to control outcomes versus understanding that we don't control the outcomes. We create the inputs that yes. to the divine expression. Yes. And the outcome. form is not right. the the form is the thing we have to let go of. But exactly. we surf the rainbow. Exactly. Yeah, we can become uh, and, surfers. And we go into go suffering when we, we, we stuff off the surfboard because we're trying to swim in the rainbow instead of surfing the rainbow with the perfectly formed, divinely provided ra- rainbow surfboard that's always available. Oh, you're so good. <laughs> yeah. um, you're, you're at your best in the middle of the night. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> It's our secret. It's our secret. So, yeah. I think both Let's and talk. though, don't you think both and? I don't think we both should. Do, yeah, I see. I really believe in the both and concept. I don't mm-hmm. think we should throw out what we've learned. I think we. Oh need, no no no! Like we have to do both and. So how can we um, get to where we want to go? You know, see see this. You know, understand there are structures and things like that which we are gifted with. We need those things, mm-hmm. but then bring the other in too. That's both and. Like it, it, our conditioning, yes, some of it is really dysfunctional and, and needs to evolve, mm-hmm. but some of the stuff's really good. So we we, we want both and. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But for me, the the way that I do my best to see things, especially when I start to go into controlville myself, is that everything just is. Yeah. And it all has a role to play in the cosmic tap- tapestry. And the second that I try and control things or lose sight of the fact that I don't have the perspective to see the entire tapestry, which is the mm-hmm. divine perspective, and instead fully surrender to my thread in that tapestry, mm. things flow a lot more. You speak my language, and I constantly teach this, and I ball myself up in my little control moments. Ask my husband. I am like, and that's what we do. Right? That's like I te- I'm like in the minute I'm like, oh, I've got this, and then I just blow it out, and I, I and that's spiritual narcolepsy, and I think it's built into the human experience. We are going to fall mm-hmm. asleep at the wheel once in a while. Yeah. We just are. I mean, no one's got it switched on all the time. No. You know, no one's got it worked out all the time, and that would. Be boring. I like the um, <laughs> Abraham Hicks perspective of, you know, it, it'll be boring. It would now, be I very boring. Sometimes <laughs> I get a bit upset when I hear that, but it would be it's lacking an... texture and contrast and substance. And that tension, that tension, that contrast, that contrast, the substance adds to the flavor of what makes a human experience a human experience. Yeah, like I love melancholy music. So um, suffering is something I don't believe in the love and the light without the shadow, like love, light and Mm -hmm. shadow. I mean, Mm -hmm. suffering is part of the human experience and grief is part of the human experience. And a lot of these, you know, we live in a society where we're given pills so we don't feel and we don't have our our breakthroughs uh, and not to say there's anything wrong with pills i'm just saying is that is yeah. that there's an anesthetizing of the of the spirit um in mm. the way our society is conditioned for us to be and be with each other and and what perfection looks like etc so um you know i really believe in the that the complexity of the the full catastrophe i can't remember the name of that guy who wrote that book he's a me- mindfulness meditation teacher oh it's gonna b- bother me but it's who is it come to you Oh yeah, John Kabat-Zinn. Yes, John Kabat-Zinn. He called his book the full full catastrophe, which is everything, right? When you said, you know, how are you? I'm living the full catastrophe, right? And and Amazing. right. And so yeah, I think that 
I think that we just have to live and be present. Like you said, it just is. That radical acceptance that you brought mm. up earlier is, is really yummy. key. It is yummy. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Let's talk hay housing. Sure. And the 15 decks of Oracle cards. Yes, I have 15 decks. Um, one of them is not with Hay House. One of them was a vampire deck that I did for PC Cast. She was a very popular YA author with a number of New York Times bestselling books. So I did one for her with mm-hmm. that. Yes, yeah, so, so mm-hmm. but 15 decks. Um, and I'm very grateful that they give me the opportunity to do this because it's my obsession. Total obsession. <laughs> it really is. I'm obsessed with making Oracle cards. I don't care if I write another book. I mean, I had five books I've written. I love, it's like songwriting. I hear them. Like, I know when it's time for the next one. I just know it. And then I get these freaky little, like this latest deck, the Dreamweaver's Oracle. I did this with a Joel Nakamura, who's this incredible Japanese-American artist who's quite famous. He's done stuff for Nike and the Olympics and all things. And um, really, really unique character. But one day I, um, you know, I knew that I was, I, I was actually thinking to do a tarot deck, but I, I wasn't feeling it. So I canceled the contract. I was like, ah, oh, this isn't it. And all of a sudden I started seeing little pictures in my head of these freaky little beings on the side of a cave and that I would be seeing these like hieroglyphs. And there's this mythology that just came to my imagination of these hmm. cave drawings. So I knew the artist had to do some type of primitive art and it needed to be painted by hand. Now, where the heck I was going to find somebody like that? Turned out this man told a friend of mine he he wanted to do an Oracle deck, and I had told her, I said, I don't know where I'm going to find this person. She goes, I know exactly who you can find. <laughs> it was weird. It was so cool, the synchronicity. <laughs> oh, my God. This deck is so so incredible. I'm like, I'm beside myself. So we even bought the entire collection of art. We went to Santa Fe to see it in person, 44 mm-hmm. paintings. And my husband looked at me, he goes, we need to have all of this. I'm like, really? <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> no, I've never seen anything like it. It's so gorgeous. So gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, oracles have their own personalities, but they're all built on a lexicon for me. So I go, I kind of do things backwards. I, What I learned studying ancient divination systems from the I Ching, from China, um, the Book of Changes, all the way to the ancient Greeks, uh, augury, which is about looking at bird formations and understanding bird formations and water divination and then the tarot and all kinds of stuff. They had a they had something in common and runes, Celtic and Norse runes. They all work off of a symbolic vocabulary that is very specific. Um, and I kind of cracked the code a number of years ago. So that's why my decks actually work as a divination system. Um, so all of my decks are still based on a similar lexicon, but then they may have extra, like I might have one with 68 cards, like my spirit animal deck, but they all still sit in the same lexicon. They just have more words, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And and I can I say more on different cards. And this one is only 44, but I was able to, to create with the artist the symbol symbolic lexicon, um, the iconography for it, where um, it would kind of touch base in the unconscious. And and I have extensive guidebooks that I write. So I write books for the Mm -hmm. decks to use them. Mm -hmm. So I want to just make sure that everybody is up to speed with what we're talking about here. Because not everybody maybe has had an experience with with divination systems or with oracle decks and so on. Um, How would you give this gospel to a non-believer? Well, a non-believer could use them as a reflection just to, the best way I would say to a non-believer, because you actually don't have to believe in this, is to use them Mm -hmm. and use them Mm -hmm. as a journaling tool to get to know them. So understand Mm -hmm. how do they reflect you, your condition. And they work off of something called synchronicity. So um, they are a tool that will connect to your presence and your energy and they're they're reflective and witnessing they're they're there to witness you so if you're a non-believer i just say try them out and see what they come up what they bring up in you to journal around so i actually have a course with hay house on journaling with oracle cards called spark your inner wisdom and a lot of people that are coming to it don't have any experience with the oracle cards and so i want people to learn that this is a way for us to get to know ourselves better so if, if a complete non-believer or a person who refuses to believe, you can still use these because there's a booklet and you can decide whether or not this makes feels like it speaks to you in some way. Mm-hmm. 
people who are op open to a more mystical uh, experience. And and by the way, our um, can we say things on your? Can we swear on your? <laughs> Cast. I you don't know where what you I can say what love, I fucking love, love, right? Okay, because <laughs> our, our because the because our our saying in Oracle School is you can't make this shit up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't make this shit up. Um, and there's there's psychology in this, right? So for people who are a little nervous, and I always say just just try it out and see if it reflects something that means something to you. Like what what does this mean to me? And and then you'll see. Again, somebody who's a little bit more mystically inclined will recognize that this is an ancient system of method, a method of communicating between you and your higher power, um, mm -hmm. where the conscious universe uses the cards as an intermediary to speak to you. Mm -hmm. So it's a phone. It's a human interface. Yeah, it's an interface. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what it, it's mm -hmm. an intermediate interface. It's also a flashlight. I like to use mine. Yes. Yeah. And you said also a flashlight. It's because Ooh, it's like going to that. illuminate the dark and it will illuminate Ooh. things. It's also a shovel. It will help you dig. Ooh, girl, you <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a GPS because when you're lost. <laughs> GPS, torch, shovel. Get it's a, it, get it. Get yeah. It. It's all those things hmm. if you let it be. So how would someone know? So I remember my very first deck. I was in a crystal shop in 2000 and something or other and um i was just called i'd recently started yeah. recently did a i did this michael singer's book the surrender experiment i did a surrender experiment that summer yeah 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 two three months and i just i literally i waited until the universe gave me the step and then i took yeah. the step and i, I was love just it. doing that for months which was very strange for people that would give me somewhere to live because it's like when are you going i don't know i guess we'll see when the next sign comes right okay, <laughs> here i love that and um I was in Seattle, went to this crystal shop, and I, I'd i had some insights around connections to elephants and such had come up quite much. And the Ganesha, it was a Ganesha deck that was my uh -huh. first deck. And I remember just my eyes just got pulled yep. to this deck. And yep. I got it, and I just felt oh, like this child. And it, it just always gave me everything that I needed. And then after that, I kind of whenever I'd be in a store, I just, I would go to wherever I got called. And that's how I've kind of started to gather decks up until now. Apart from Yannick's one, I've got Yannick's Cosmic Journal Oracle. I love his Cosmic Journal. His, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to um, get you one of mine. Yeah, I was going to say, yes. I, I definitely want the Dreamweavers one. Yeah, you will I'm love it. The dream. I'm all about the dreaming. How would somebody be best served knowing where to start with your many decks is it would it be kind of having a flick through um and seeing what felt aligned with them if they sort of went through the website and had a look what would be a good way for them to sort of dive in or is there an an, an entry level openers deck that would be good for no them to, so to i would say on? the latest deck the dreamweavers oracle because it's really created for our time now you can try mm. the deck out you go to my website colettebearmreed.com forward slash dreamweaver and you can try the deck right so you we yeah. have uh, a way for you to you know like pull cards on on the site yeah. and also mm -hmm. a, a documentary of how they were made and what's behind them and all the art oh, and yeah. and so you'll get a feeling for the for the writing because the message is really really important and you might be really drawn to the art um, mm. my teaching deck is wisdom of the oracle it's a red deck and that's the deck that i teach people from this perspective of personal transformation using that particular deck because it's also mm -hmm. separated into subjects. So you have, uh, if you're interested in a relationship reading, a prosperity reading, there's a protection message if it's upside down and there's a general message and that's very, very dense. But I would say for people who are new, um, I think the, the this particular deck's playful too, the Dreamweaver's Oracle. And um, but again, you can try my decks on my website. Just go try it out and see how you feel. And also lines. the kind of question that you ask. Never ask a yes or no question. My, um, you always want to ask, what do I need to know today about X? Uh, give it space to speak to you. Yeah, because 
Oh, because I'll, I'll never forget a reading I did for somebody years ago. And she was like, you know, I need to know if this guy's going to ask me to marry him. And I could tell this is like, this is not the right person, right? I'm like, uh, yes. And all she, <laughs> yeah. And I like, oh yeah, he's going to ask you to marry him. And that's all she wanted to hear. And I'm like, but, but, but don't you want to know that all the problems and red flags I see around this? No, she didn't. She just, <laughs> right. So the yes or no is going to always, you know, it's like, no. Or yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. But what does that mean? You know, yes, Jack the Ripper is coming to your house. Like you happen to think he's cute. Not a good choice. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, this gives the, the cards also the capacity to give you more information that is more meaningful. Uh, you get the most mm-hmm. meaning when you ask a question that enables the deck itself to present itself to you in a way that is more like it's like Oracle cards are tips of icebergs. There is a giant part of it under the water. Well, you know where to dive in. You know exactly, ah, this is where I go to this depth, which is within me. And the cards can show you that and, and, and navigate that for you and with you. Awesome, awesome. Colette. Yes. I'm going to start winding it down now. Great. I just wanted to say thank you. Aw, thank firstly, you. Public gratitude for all the ways that you've jumped in to support me with what I'm doing and what we want to bring to the world too. So just much love and gratitude. My pleasure. Absolutely awesome. Um, Just want to make sure everybody knows to check out my favorite song of yours so far, because I've only heard the one (laughs) album. I've got more music to listen to. Um, Here and now, love, love, love. We're going to pop a link in the show notes so that everybody can hear the song that I love so much. Um, If you had one... one thought, one feeling, one reflection that you could share with whoever's listening to to this episode today, what would that be? Yeah. Our primary relationship is with a power greater than ourselves. And if we can put that as our primary relationship, everything else falls into place. And I believe that. You don't need to have a religious background to hear me say this. There is mm-hmm. something that animates this world, that bre- who breathes you. And there is something bigger than us that is available to us and can be there for us all the time. We are never alone. And the other thing is, is to practice being kind. Kindness mm-hmm. is the kind of wealth, you know, compassion, um, that, that also you can do one kind thing a day, just one thing a day you do make the world a better place and you get to leave it a little bit better than you found it. Hmm. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> thank you again. Thank Thanks. you, thank you, thank you. Listeners, please join me in um, thanking Colette for everything she's brought into us today. Make sure you go and check out the Dreamweavers deck on her site. We'll pop a link on the show notes. If you're interested in knowing more about how you can bring the magic of this magic into your magical businessness <laughs> then also head over to the website and see the wonderful things that Colette's doing um any final thoughts closing words before we uh yeah sign? you're awesome and I want them to know too that you have a lot of really cool <laughs> things coming out right so uh, I'm really excited to play with you more and I hope some I hope you know I just think you're spectacular and uh oh, I'm excited about what you're bringing into the world too so uh I think your audience who listens to you they're going to be in for a big treat in the next few months indeed indeed, indeed. so guys Until next time, keep dreaming with your eyes open. Remember, you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. The magic is you, and that higher power could be the one thing that you're looking for. Until next time, bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.